Welcome back to another episode of Real Talk with Rose. Take a breath, relax, because this time we're talking all about anxiety. First, let's hear from Kayleen Carter, a junior at Sac State studying political science journalism. The most vivid memory that I have of me experiencing anxiety, gosh, this is going to be difficult, but it was actually the first time that I transferred to Sac State. So before I had gotten to to Sac State, I had been working, I think, two jobs at the time and trying to make sure that I had all my ducks in a row because um, I wasn't sure what was going to happen if I was going to get financial aid or if I was going to have to pay my way through. And college is expensive, especially, you know, at Sac State. Um, I'm, I'm lucky to have gotten financial aid, but I had no idea how to like apply for financial aid. So that's why I was like trying to make sure that I was financially set. And then just the fact I was also trying to figure out what I wanted to do because I knew that I wanted to, I wanted to do journalism, but I also had like some, some different things thoughts going through my head about what that would mean to, to like be a journalist and, and, and the stories that I would need need to cover. And so just, you know, once I got to, to Sac State, I, I joined, joined the State Hornet because I decided to go with political science journalism. And I know how journalism works too. <laughs> so when you're in a newsroom, it is very fast paced. I'm so lucky that everyone on the State Hornet, when I was on the State Hornet, which was um, the January 1st of 2020, was absolutely amazing, but it was very difficult because you know you had tight deadlines and it was faster paced because the State Hornet was all virtual um, instead of like you know at my col- community college newspaper where we were a biweekly print newspaper, so we had more time. Um, and then I also wanted to make sure that when I was covering the communities that I did, because um, I was a diversity identity beat, that I was being very thorough, which means that, you know, contacting people, trying to get people. This was also back when we actually could be, you know, in person, not wearing masks and actually could go up to people, you know, but it was kind of difficult for me just with still having to deal with my jobs and then having to deal with, you know, um, reaching out to sources and, and working on the, the state hornet and then also trying to figure out like the rest of my life, it was pretty difficult. So at one point, um, I think I had just gotten so stressed out that I started to get like um, hives and, you know, I would just be scratching all the time. I would have racing thoughts. Um, I would, you know, get up in the morning and have a, you know, say I was going here and then forget, forget exactly where I was going. So it was just, it was a whole thing, you know, during that period of my, of my life. And um, it, it got, it had gotten so bad that I actually decided, okay, well, maybe I should go and talk with someone. And um, I decided to, this is my first time actually talking to like a counselor. So I decided to go to the student health counseling services and try and see what maybe talking to a, um, a counselor would, would be like, just to, just to, you know, try and figure out how to manage my anxiety. And it was a, it was an interesting experience because, um, I had never gotten counseling or, or therapy before. And like my, my first, my first counselor was very helpful in trying to establish the roots of my anxiety and also giving me, you know, some grounding techniques. So she would tell me, well, just do affirmations or, you know, make sure you take deep breaths or meditate or journal. So far, those have been working 
for me. So a lot of people for myself who experience anxiety, and I was actually diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, that anxiety they often think is like just in your head. But as you just said, you experienced a lot of physical symptoms, like you had hives and stuff like that. Do you think you realize when your anxiety is worse because of physical symptoms? Or do you think you just feel it in general? So for me personally, when it's really, really bad is when I start seeing those physical you know, um, those physical signs. Cause like before I'd gotten to, to, to Sac State, um, my anxiety was purely just my, like I said, my thoughts would just be racing and I would be just thinking about multiple things at one point in one time thinking about, okay, well, how am I going to pay for school or thinking about, okay, what kind of like skills do I need to, or to get into like the journalism field or when am I going to buy a house? Dear God, <laughs> that's like the worst one. <laughs> when am I going to move out? Um, am I good enough? Everything just going everywhere. So it, when it gets to like a certain point where, you know, all of my grounding techniques have not worked and it just gets worse, like that's when like the physical signs start showing up. So like, the, like hives, you know, breaking out all over, um, well, mainly it's like on my, on my wrist. I don't know why it just like, it just shows up on, on my wrist or um, I'll start like, like tapping my foot a lot, or I'll be needing to like, you know, move around. I'm, you know, I, I'm, I never can sit still anyways. But usually when I'm like really, really just like uh, amped up, I'm like, I got to move around all the, when my anxiety gets really bad, it'll get to the point where sometimes I don't want to move. Like, like I'm, a, I like to work out a lot, but you know, when I'm having so many thoughts, sometimes I'm just like to, to make it stop, <laughs> you know, I'll just be like, okay, maybe I should just sit still and just absolutely do nothing and just absolutely ignore working out, moving or anything. And then that just makes it worse. You kind of already mentioned it, but do you think your anxiety changed when you entered college? Oh yeah, um, it, it's funny because when I was a kid, I I think I had anxiety, but you know when when you're a kid, you don't really recognize the signs of what you know anxiety is, or you know, or depression, or what have you. So it definitely looked different when I was a kid, um, and and when I actually started as a um as a college student so like i, I definitely got progressively <laughs> worse when i when i when, when, when it, um when i got to college no you're good no i think you brought up a great point and that a lot of people when they have anxiety it's that that like push and pull of do i ask for help do i not ask for help or the appearance of trying to be like oh i'm okay like everybody goes through this like i'm okay um but you're right, I think it's really important that we we reach out to people or like just let them know like, hey, <laughs> I'm feeling really anxious about this or I'm having some really bad anxiety about this. Like there are more people who have it and understand what you're going through than you think. It's always you're in your own head that you're thinking nobody else will understand. What advice would you give for someone who is going through anxiety? Reach out to people who you trust reach out to friends who you know, who understand who you are and will definitely 
listen to you. And not everyone, the thing is, not everyone can talk to a professional. Um, and when I say that, I mean, not everyone has the same access to a therapist or a counselor. But a lot of students, um, you know, they don't have that that same access or that's that, that same luxury. So some of them will never be able to talk to like a counselor. I don't know if it would apply to everyone else, but it does help with me. But just write. You know, I, my profession is, is writing and writing has always helped me really curb my anxiety. I'm a planner and I need to have everything planned out. So um, I got a journal, I think last, e last year and um, I will write down like what I've been feeling throughout the day. And you know, I'll pinpoint where my anxiety started to go south where it started to peak and figure figure out okay well is this a recurring thing like what do i do to mitigate how i'm when i'm when i'm feeling like this you know don't suffer in in silence there are many people many college students who who have the same troubles as as you do and all you really need to do is just say I am not well, and it's okay to not be well. Anyone who tells you different is, it's, it's, that's a lie because, you know, all the things that are happening right now, you just know there's no way to be, to be okay with any, with anything. So it's okay to not be okay. Now let's hear from a youth mental health expert who gives motivational speeches at high schools and colleges. I'm Dr. Jackie Kibler. I am a professor of psychology at Northwest Missouri State University. And I also am a life coach and life coach instructor with Journey. What is anxiety? Anxiety is actually a normal emotion that all of us experience. Some people think it's just a disorder, but it's not. Mental health is on a continuum. We have perfect mental health, which none of us have. And then we have mental health disorders. and most of us are just on that continuum, going up and down based on life experiences, our inner resources, our outer resources. And anxiety kind of goes up when outer things get tough, inner things get tough. But anxiety is there actually to protect us. It's a good thing. So if you think about when you have a podcast due or you have a project due, a test, a performance, anxiety is there to help amp us up. It's a good thing to have. Anxiety becomes problematic when it interferes with our life. So when it gets to be too much, when we know we have to do something, but our brain is too amped up and we can't do it or we can't get out of bed, that's when it gets to be too much. So our warning signals are going off and our brain is telling us that it's too dangerous for us and we can't succeed. So what really anxiety is there to protect us. So why do some people get the more amped up version or why do some people get like really bad anxiety? Great question. I think there are a lot of things. So sometimes things outside of us will amp it up. So like the pandemic, that's a real threat. Changed our environment, it changed our routine. And so for a lot of us, it kind of made us wonder, is this something I need to be worried about? It heightened our sense of warning. Another thing, just biologically, things like taking in a lot of caffeine, things that increase your heart rate, because anxiety trips, it's our fight or flight system in our body. So 
that fight or flight system increases our heart rate and things like that. So we can trick our body into going into fight or flight if we drink too much caffeine, if we're not getting our adrenaline out of our system. And so sometimes we experience feelings of anxiety simply when we're not getting enough exercise, we're not getting enough good sleep, when we're taking in too much caffeine. We experience feelings of anxiety and don't know why. It's a biological thing. And I wanted to ask what the difference is between an anxiety attack and a panic attack? Great question. In the United States, we use the DSM. It's called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. That's what psychologists and psychiatrists use to diagnose mental health disorders. So panic attacks are in the DSM. So those can be diagnosed. Panic attacks are an extreme physical experience. If you have a panic attack, Usually you can't get through it on your own because you feel like you're having a heart attack, an asthma attack. Usually people with panic attacks will end up in the emergency room because it's truly a physical experience. You feel like, and and doctors will run those tests on you because your body doesn't know if you're having a heart attack or not. Um, An anxiety attack isn't in the DSM-IV, but your body still experiences it. It's kind of like a panic attack a few notches down. So you're still experiencing it physically, but it's not as intense. You usually can work through it on your own. I usually recommend, I have students that will come in my office sometimes who are experiencing one. And what I usually recommend is sitting on the floor with your back against the wall and breathing through it. Really deep breaths will help reverse the fight or flight system. It's the number one trick. It seems really simple and like that shouldn't work, but It will slow down your heart rate and kick your body out of fight or flight system. So there's like an actual disorder, like generalized anxiety disorder. And does that usually always accompany with panic attacks or can someone just have panic attacks and not have a disorder? So someone, actually a lot of the population will have one or two panic attacks in their life. It's not all that uncommon, but it doesn't mean that you'll have generalized anxiety, or even panic disorder. Sometimes some of us will just have a panic attack. It's because of stress or outside things, or we had a whole lot of caffeine that flipped our body into a panic attack. But a lot of times you'll never have one again. Some people who have generalized anxiety disorder may also have a panic attack, but not necessarily. Sometimes, sometimes not. But there are other anxiety disorders One that's very common right now, and I think people will be struggling with it, is social anxiety disorder. So being in social situations, especially because we've been isolated, people I think will be struggling getting back into social networks again. And for students specifically, what do you think are like the main causes of anxiety? I think college students have a lot of sources of anxiety. You guys have a lot on your plate. You're managing and balancing a lot of things, and you put a lot. I see college students put a lot of pressure on themselves. And so I usually encourage students to prioritize their mental health and their health above all things. Because if you're not taking good care of yourself, you can't do all the things. And to take some of that pressure off yourself, I know that's hard to do, but. It's one of the best things that you can do to reduce some of that pressure. I just see students putting, like I said, a lot of pressure on themselves, maybe unnecessarily so. They're really hard on themselves. 
So some of that self-talk, negative self-talk, critical self-talk, also surrounding yourself with people who lift you up and are good for you. Those are important things. Just brought up a negative self-talk, and I think that comes up a lot, but not a lot of people realize what exactly negative self-talk is. Could you go into a little more detail about that? So we all have a critical voice in our head, but we're not always, we don't always realize how loud it is or how often it's talking to us. And so paying attention to how you talk to yourself. So when you mess up, how do you talk to yourself? Do you say, oh, yeah, I messed up, but I did my best, I'll try again. Or are you really hard on yourself? And I can usually see that how my students email me, that they're very critical, how they, in their emails, how they talk to themselves. Just being kind to yourself, giving yourself grace, that part of life is making mistakes and learning from them and moving forward. I make mistakes all of the time, but as long as, you know, you're willing to admit them and work through them, that's what life is about. Can anxiety lead to other issues, be it like physical or other mental issues? Great question. Anxiety shows up in the body. So when my anxiety gets to a higher level on that continuum, it shows up in my chest. Like my chest gets really tight. That's how I know, uh, like I need to take a step back and take better care of myself. Some of my students, we talk about like, oh, you're having more headaches. That might be anxiety. Or, oh, you're having more stomach aches. That actually might be anxiety. Paying attention to your physical symptoms because a lot of times anxiety shows up in other ways. Little kids, we see it in little kids all the time. If they're having consistent physical symptoms, usually it's anxiety or depression. Just as adults, we don't always pay attention to those physical symptoms. But pay attention. Are you having those physical symptoms a lot before something big, a change, an exam, those kind of things? It might be anxiety. And anxiety and depression, those symptoms a lot of times go together. Because when you're anxious a lot, it leads to feelings of, I can't do these things. You tend to be really hard on yourself. So those two things go in common. The symptoms, it doesn't mean you have both disorders necessarily, but you can have symptoms that go together. So if you see those interfering with your life, talk to someone. Talk to someone that you trust. I kind of wanted to talk about the stigma behind having actual, like a, a mental illness such as like a generalized anxiety disorder on social media, especially for the youth in like high school and college. I think there's an added pressure um, due to social media. Do you think there is added pressure? And like, what are your thoughts on that? So I've been out in the field for over 20 years, and I've seen the stigma decreasing. I, I see more youth talking about things and admitting things, especially depression and anxiety. One thing that I like to tell people too is, you know, since mental health is on a continuum, you move back down. So if you're diagnosed with depression or anxiety and you get help, you move back down that continuum. It doesn't mean that, oh, I'm going to have depression for my life. I'm going to be on medication for my life. Not necessarily. Treatments are very effective today. You may only be on medication for a little while or you may not need medication. I've worked with students who 
go to therapy for a little while, and then they're back down the continuum, and they're good. They've learned coping skills. That's all they've needed. So treatment is incredibly effective, and sometimes you just need to learn different skills, get your brain in some different pathways so that you can move back down the continuum. So don't feel like, oh, I have this and I'm stuck with it for life. That's not the way it is anymore. Our body and brain changes constantly. I kind of wanted to talk about some tips or techniques for students experiencing anxiety and also at what point should someone seek more professional help with their anxiety? So I always give the recommendation that if you're starting to notice it interfere with your functioning, if it's interfering with your sleeping, interfering with your social relationships, interfering with just your life, going to work, going to school, your overall contentment in life, reach out. If you're in school, most schools have a wellness center that you can connect with for a low cost. A resource that I absolutely love is the crisis text line, 741-741. It's not just for crisis. It's I'm struggling. I have really anxious thoughts or my thoughts are just not where they need to be. Text them and you have someone to connect with. If you're grieving, you had a breakup, you can text them. Someone's always there to chat with you. Save it in your phone. That way you don't have to remember. If your friend's struggling, you can hand them your phone, let them text. Confidential. So it's a fantastic resource. I use a lot of apps on my phone and I recommend them to students. I have two teenagers. I recommend them for them as well. Some of my favorite apps are Breathe and My Life. They're meditation apps. I hear from a lot of people, I can't meditate. I couldn't either. Our brains don't like to slow down. They don't even slow down when we're sleeping. That's why meditation is so helpful, because it creates new pathways in our brain. And that's what our brain needs, those new pathways. So it's kind of like the first time you walk on a trail in the woods. It's the first time you walk on it, it's not there. You have to create it. And that's what meditation does. It's creating those new paths for you. So stick with it. Do a 30-second one, a minute one, and then work your way up. You don't have to do it for an hour at a time. I do five-minute ones before I teach, before I present. Another app that's awesome for anxiety is called Clear Fear, and it works on anxious thoughts and has some activities to help just with general anxiety. My students really like that one. These are ones that students have recommended to me the ones I'm sharing with you. Another one that's great is called Not Okay. You can enter up to five names of people and your friends. If you're really struggling, sometimes some of us have trouble saying, I'm really struggling. You just hit a button on your phone, a message goes out to your friends, they check in with you. And sometimes that's really helpful. And then another app that I love, love, is called Dailyo. And you enter in activities and you enter in your mood for that day. It's a mood tracker. And so you can keep track of these are things I'm doing that are helping me and these are things that aren't helping me. And you can see over time what things in your life are adding to your life and what things in your life are not adding to your life. And so it's data. I'm a psychologist. I'm a huge fan of data. But I noticed like on Wednesdays I needed to add something good to my life because Wednesdays were days that in the fall my mood was lower. Some of my students who have anxiety noted that, hey, on Thursdays I'm more anxious, so I need to do something on those days. 
So it's a way to track. We are much more resilient than we think. This is a hard time. A lot of people are struggling, and so if you're struggling, you're not alone. Just know that you're much more resilient than we sometimes feel. And if you're struggling, know that struggling is temporary, even if it doesn't feel like it, and that there are a lot of people, including me, who are cheering for you, and that life will get better. It will. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Talk with Rose. If you have a topic you'd like me to discuss, reach out to the State Hornet. And stay tuned next time for more.